cracking lovely people is the big feed up hq podcast if you're a new listener definitely get onto soundcloud and itunes subscribe to the show i release a podcast with a guest on a monday and on a friday the one listening to now i release a little bit of a nugget sometimes nutrition related sometimes lifestyle related short sharp conversation well i'm speaking with myself today but it's just something that has potentially come up in the week of work with with clients, with people that I'm working with. To give you a little bit of a background, I'm a nutritionist, so I work part-time for a company called Nuffield Health. Three or four different sites for then, some consumer sites, so gyms and medical centres that are open to the public, and some corporate sites, so they have gyms and medical centres and things in-house in a bank, in a, in, a, in another software company, and, and in another bank that, that I work in for them. And personally as well, I work in the fashion industry over in East London. I work with endurance enthusiasts. I do a little bit of work with a brand called North Face. So I've done some stuff in the past with some of their athletes. You know, I don't really like that word, but to be fair, they are some serious, serious kind of outdoor individuals. So that's been really interesting. But anyway, today what I want to talk to you about, because it's been brought up a few times with people coming in and seeing me and especially this week we've had a few conversations around certain diets that are becoming very popular so I thought I'd dig into a paper that I read and I refer to when I want a little bit more information or if I want to pick up a few little kind of uh, bits that I can go back to 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 refer to for my write-ups or if I want to kind of give someone a little bit more information and I've linked to it in the show notes so you can go back you can read it you can take little parts from it you can get in touch and ask me questions and things like that and this is just a kind of short and sharp cheeky dive into the international society of sports nutrition position stand on diets and body composition so this is written by a chap called alan aragon and a whole other host of names and the interesting thing around this paper is that it basically goes in and defines uh, diets that are now kind of seen as really popular and it just gives you it's it's complex at times but then it also gives you some some short sharp information to understand what's actually involved in these diets and yeah basically the research behind them in terms of weight management but at the end of the day the interesting takeaway from the paper is that behavioral and lifestyle modification strategies are still poorly researched areas of weight management so the interesting thing is that everyone's individual in terms of how they can be compliant to a protocol and obviously a lot of this research is around food frequency questionnaires or people are being asked to record things about their diet or um, you know their overall intake and sometimes people forget things so there's always strengths in a lot of the things that are measured and there's always weaknesses in a lot of things that are measured but don't be frightened to click onto the paper and just find a little section that resonates with you it's really really interesting there's some stuff on body composition assessments so again people ask me oh what's good for looking at my body fat what do I use? I've heard about skin fold calipers. I've heard about these, you know, these things that I see in gyms that I stand on. So get into that and have a little bit of a read. But today we're going to go into some of the diets and I'm going to define some of the diets as well. So the paper opens up and it's a really, really useful kind of bit of chat here. And I always start my presentations when I, when I talk and I, and I speak publicly as well. Is that a general definition of a diet is a sum of energy and nutrients obtained from foods and beverages consumed regularly by individuals. So I always put regularly in capitals because at the end of the day, you can listen to this now, you can take away what you want from it. It's all completely up to you. But if you know what you're eating most of the time, you're probably making quite a smart choice. And 
James Morton, the, the Liverpool nutritionist, the Sky nutritionist who works with Team Sky and cycling, things like that. When I was training as a sports nutritionist, he just used the 3T analogy, total type and timing. And I absolutely love that. And it just makes things very simple. And it's total amount of food, the types of foods that you eat and the timing. The total and the type are a lot more important. The timing comes in a little bit of, you know, more because it's a bit personal around exercise. It's a bit personal around thinking about pulse feeding protein. And it's a bit personal around, um, you know, how, how much you eat before bed and how that affects your sleep and your digestion and all that kind of jazz. But anyway, the paper opens up there. Very, very interesting stuff. And then it goes into some of the diets that it talks about in a bit more detail. So it kind of gives you a slight overview. So we've got low energy diets low-fat diets, low-carbohydrate diets, ketogenic diets, high-protein diets, intermittent fasting. And then it goes on to talking about kind of um, named or branded diets, Atkins people have heard of, Zone people have heard of, Paleo diet people have heard of and are starting to do now. So really, really interesting stuff. And I'm going to dive straight in and we're going to talk a little bit about the lower-carbohydrate diet and start there. So it's just a bit of a definition. So low energy diets, low fat diets, they're things you can read about. I'm going to move into the low carbohydrate diets because they're things that people are trying, they're talking to me a little bit about. And I thought I'd just record a few five, 10 minute kind of bit of conversation on. So what this paper does is that it basically defines the composition of a low carbohydrate diet at 50 to 150 grams of carbohydrates. So if you are interested in investigating this kind of thing for yourself, start to measure things use apps look at the back of packets it's very very simple and get you know a bit of a rough rough estimation of what you're eating don't change anything just log it and then see where you're at so you know 50 to 100 grams of carbohydrates up to 40 percent of your daily intake from carbohydrates so if you knew your overall intake for the day if you work that out in terms of percentages from where it comes from in terms of carbohydrates so your vegetables that grow above the ground the vegetables that grow below the ground the starch-based carbohydrates the beans the pulses the starch protein-based carbohydrates sugars refined sugar all that kind of stuff measure it see where you're at and the interesting thing is that this paper does defines that as 50 to 150 grams of carbohydrates Everything else, protein and fat related. So we're talking in the macronutrients more globally at the moment now. We're not getting into some of the micronutrient conversations. We're not talking about the vitamins and minerals. We're talking about the overall carbohydrate intake. So that's how they define that one. And then if we come a tier down, the ketogenic diet is interesting. And people have started to hear, heard, I've started to hear about this thing and I get questions about it. And the way that Alan and the, and the team here define that is a maximum of 50 grams of carbohydrates a day or a maximum of 10% from carbohydrates of your daily intake. So without getting bogged down into the weeds, if you eat like that over time and obviously that's being very specific because you're going to have to know your overall energy intake you're going to have to tracking things understanding what only 50 grams of carbohydrates is like and it's you know it's very very different to everyday western if you want to use that word type of eating because if you think what's a banana got in it 25 26 grams of carbohydrates and your daily intake is 50 grams of carbohydrates you're really going to have to adapt the types of foods you're eating because you're going to be looking at more from protein and more from fat. I'm not going to comment on how to do that in this little bit of a pod. I'm basically just 
giving you the insight into a little bit of the paper if you're not going to read it and you're just going to take away the definitions from today or i'm just introducing this and it's something you might have heard of and yeah you're slightly interested so at that level what basically happens and this is a complete broad brushstroke is that your ketone bodies are raised and that's something that people can measure so you can measure that through your urine and then people clinicians uh, yourself or you know gps or nutritionists physiologists they can they can work with you to to get you into a ketogenic state and then that's interesting and at the end of the day most of the time people that do this and they think that oh it's the magic bullet for losing weight you're generally just eating less because you're taking away a lot of carbohydrates and mostly people you know eat a moderate to high carbohydrate diet so that is how you define ketogenic diet to a low carbohydrate diet so low carbohydrate 50 to 150 grams of carbohydrates ketogenic 50 grams or under real broad brushstroke stuff very very simple to understand there's a great table so the table number two in the paper of diet categories and then they summarize you know in their minds the strengths and the weaknesses in terms of weight management for these types of diets okay the other one that i wanted to just define quickly so that you can take this away is a little bit of a resource the whole intermittent fasting and the different types of that so it's basically not eating you know you don't have to put some kind of bells and whistles around this type of protocol there's a few different types and uh, yeah, it's um, it's something where it's a flexible way of, of, of eating as in you eat, you stop, you eat, you stop depending on the time of day or depending on how, how much of an eating window you know, you're going to give yourself. So there's an alternate day fasting, so alternating between 24 hours of eating and then 24 hours of not eating. So very new for a lot of people listening to this that sounds extremely intimidating i'm not saying go away and do it but just defining things you've got your the five two where someone like michael mosley has put a bit of a book on it you're not eating for two of the days a week or you're eating 500 calories or under and you're eating normally whatever that means for you the other five days the interesting one at the moment is the time restricted feeding so you've got 16 to 20 hours of not eating and then you've got four to eight hours of eating daily so again it takes a lot of organization it takes a lot of preparation obviously if you're going to do something like that it's good to get a better opinion a very professional opinion from someone but it's interesting it's interesting from just a definition point of view what it actually means. So when people hear intermittent fasting, you can be like, all oh, right, there's alternate day fasting, there's whole day fasting, there's time restricted feeding. So again, it's in table two, have a little bit of a look, go away and educate yourself on some of these things and then start to read up on, again, behind the definitions, what's actually been written and what's actually been studied in the research. But then also N equals one is interesting. You know, it's taking time to get organized, understanding how much you're eating, understanding what you're eating and understanding when you're eating it. And then if you do want to try a protocol, it's something where obviously working alongside GP, understanding simple biomarkers in terms of your energy production, like I've spoken about before, vitamin D, B12, folate, ferritin, blood glucose, HbA1c, those are the kind of things you can go and look at 
and then you can take your onus on how much energy am I eating? Where's my energy coming from? Is it coming from majority of carbohydrates? Is it coming from majority of fats? Is it coming from majority of protein? You know, download some of these apps, have a little bit of a look, have a little bit of an experiment. And it's something where, you know, you can adapt things and you and you can take you can take control and, you know, you can have a bit of a choice over this. So it's 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 really, really interesting stuff. And it's a bit about self-exploration, you know, getting around it, lovely people. So, you know, from a very, very basic standpoint in terms of weight management, the calorie deficit, calorie surplus conversation in terms of. Diets that are primarily focused on fat loss are driven by sustained caloric deficit. And what the interesting thing is about this study, not this study, this paper that reviews these studies, is that they looked into literature of research that was conducted for four weeks or more. So when I have a conversation with a client and we look at pushing a dietary protocol or we have a bit more of a strategy around eating for that time, I'm like, look, four weeks, if you're looking to lose fat, it's that consuming less than you're burning. Practically, it's very individual how we always implement this, but then the nature of doing it over time, over four weeks, and the emphasis is on a sustained caloric deficit. That's the interesting thing, and that's finding the sweet spot with the individual there, okay? And then it's different, you know, the higher in the base level body fat, you know, the more aggressive you might be able to be with this caloric deficit. Again, it's individually dependent how people can be uh, compliant, you know, what's going on in terms of their nutritional integrity as well. Do you know some of those um, biomarker levels that we talked about a few minutes ago? So it's all about investigating, okay? On the flip side, diets primarily focusing on building lean mass are driven by sustained caloric surplus. So what we're talking about there is putting yourself into an anabolic process by resistance training, getting your muscles under tension and eating more than you're expending. Again, doing it in a controlled fashion. Obviously, if you're just going to start throwing in more calories, you're not generally tracking anything. You don't know how much protein you're eating. You don't know when you're eating certain types of protein around your training. Get involved in those basics and then start to take on a bit more of a strategy in terms of how am I eating in terms of, I'll just say in terms twice, what am I eating? How much am I eating? When am I eating? Am I wanting to maintain my weight? So eat roughly globally the same amount of energy as I'm expending and I want to work on strength, power. I just want to sweat and train because it helps my mind or if I'm looking to lose weight, I need to understand that I want to get into a calorie deficit. How do I do that? Go away and start tracking, looking at things, understanding your weight, you know, your waist measurement, taking a few kind of simple steps in that. So record once, change it around for a few months, try something, work with someone specifically if you think you need to take on more understanding around nutrition and then measure again. And then the flip side, if I'm going to add more weight training, if I'm going to eat more, how much more energy is going to come from protein and fat and carbohydrates and what's my relationship with food and, you know, what's my food environment like? Where am I getting it from? Am I cooking? Am I picking up things on the go? If I'm adding more food or taking it away, how does that make my body feel in terms of my energy levels, in terms of my digestive system? All good stuff. 
So I tried to keep this under 20 minutes. We've gone for about 16, 17 minutes here. The takeaway messages are that I've lunk, lunk. I've put this paper in the bio. Definitely get over and read it if you're interested, if you're someone like me that wants to kind of dig into these things and look into more specific protocols and understand what some of the research is saying. And then also just from a reference point, you can go back if people are asking you questions or you're wanting to know more about what some of these diets are. You know, it's a very, very good paper that just summarizes a lot of things. And then the final section looks at when you're eating less or eating more, how your body adapts. So adaptation to undereating, adaptation to overfeeding. It's got a really good summary in there. It's got conclusions and recommendations. So yeah, it will take a good coffee or tea or whatever you're doing, sit down, get around it and continue to listen to the show. I like doing these little kind of Friday nutritional nuggets, lifestyle conversations. I know I got Josh on the other week and we talked about a sauna, but I just basically pulled out a paper, one that I read at least every couple of months or so and I had a few people ask me this week about what is a ketogenic diet what what does intermittent fasting entail so hopefully I've just kind of covered from a global broad brushstroke sense a few definitions there and then you can go on and you can do further reading and understanding so as always please subscribe to the show get around SoundCloud get around iTunes send it to people I want to try to get to 10,000 listens by the end of the year I'm up to just around 5,000 so I've got a good couple of months with some really good guests and hopefully some more interesting little um, Friday takeaway podcasts. So thanks again, lovely people. Have a great weekend or if you listen to this at the start of the week, get around it.